Disclaimer. This podcast serves as an academic critique on the American film industry. I will be discussing hard moments in history, and that includes the long-lasting effects of said moments. I will be discussing films old and new in accordance with APA and fair use guidelines, specifically Section 107 of the Copyright Act, which states, quote, The fair use of a copyrighted work for purpose such as criticism, commentary, news reporting, teaching, scholarship, or research is not an infringement of copyright, end quote. Will there be spoilers in this podcast? Of course. Would you need to have seen all of these films? Obviously not. Will you learn something new? Always. Now, enjoy the program. Welcome back to another episode of Outcasted. I'm your host, Amari. Today, we are going to be discussing some stereotypes. Yes, again. This time, we are looking at the different intersections of minorities and thus their representation in film. But I'm getting way too ahead of myself. Before we discuss the individual tropes and such, we first must define the term intersectionality. I know I briefly defined it in episode 1, but this is THE episode for it, so shh. According to Oxford Languages, intersectionality is defined as, quote, the interconnected nature of social categorizations such as race, class, and gender as they apply to a given individual or group, regarded as creating overlapping and interdependent systems of discrimination or disadvantages, end quote. It has also been described as, quote, a lived experience, an aspiration, a strategy, a way to analyze inequality, and even a movement, end quote because the true importance it carries, it's more than a term. The term intersectionality was made popular and very clear by the Black feminist group, the Combahee River Collective, and civil rights activist and writer, Kimberly Crenshaw. At its core, the term is used to describe the difference women of color tend to face depending on race in accordance with their gender. For instance, feminism is different for a white woman in America than to a black woman in America, than to a Pakistani woman in Pakistan. There are different nuances and degrees of their struggle against misogyny. But that isn't all there is to intersectionality. It can be used to refer to any mixing of social categories, but its importance to feminism cannot be denied. For our research, we will be using the concept of intersectionality to discuss who exactly we see working the industry. Now that we have opened up our minds to the framework of intersectionality, we can now discuss how it affects minority representation. Who is seen and heard more? In relation to gender, first you have POC women versus white women. White women have always been accepted in the film industry, with terms and conditions, of course. It isn't to say that white women didn't struggle in the industry. It is to say that their whiteness and their privilege that comes with it will always come before their femininity. Their whiteness somehow makes them more American, whereas women of color are decidedly exotic and thus unworthy of lead roles. Next, you have trans POC versus trans white people. When it comes to the little representation trans people have, trans people of color are not usually the first pick, or the second, or the third. Lastly, in regard to gender, 
you have gender fluid versus not. We have yet to see a gender fluid character on the big screen. In relation to race and ethnicity. For Native Americans, we have the intersection of women and men. Typically, the representation of Native Americans are very narrow, leaving little room for expansion. The stereotypes listed last episode about savage men and Indian princesses are pretty much on equal footing as far as rep goes, because there isn't much of it. For Black people, we have Black men versus Black women. Statistics show that Black men are more likely to be casted in films than Black women. That is because a Black man's masculinity comes before his Blackness. Quote, Black women directed only 14 films, or 0.9% of all Hollywood films and 11.3% of Black-directed films. Overall, these Black women found the greatest representation at studio independence. Black women instead turned to work in documentaries and television. End quote. Black female filmmakers are being pushed out of the film industry on both sides, being both Black and woman. Latino Intersections According to the Latino Media Gap, an article that examines Latino representation in media today, created in 2014, there are intersection discrepancies in Latino representation. For instance, until the 90s, there were considerably more Latino male leads than Latina leads in TV shows and films. This trend has significantly reversed since then, with Latinas making up more than half of Latin representation in film. Additionally, the article goes on stating that, quote, there were few Afro-Latino stars in prior eras. The percentage of prominent Afro-Latino actors has significantly increased. From 2010 to 2013, Afro-Latino performers represented 18.2% of Latino film actors and 16.7% of Latino TV actors, although they were generally confined to supporting roles in both media, end quote. Whereas the majority of Latino actors are considered Hispanic white, there are a few Afro-Latino stars from 2000 to 2013. Afro-Latino actors like Laz Alonzo, Rosario Dawson, John Huertas, Zoe Zaldana, and Ruben Santiago Hudson became increasingly more prominent in both movies and or television. In the 2000 to 2009 period, Afro-Latinos accounted for 50% of film leads. Lastly, you have the discrepancy between U.S. Latinos and Latin American Latinos. Latin Americans receive most of the top mainstream film opportunities, and the U.S. press sees that as emblematic of increased Latino media inclusion. It's difficult to share that kind of spotlight when both are equally starved for rep. John Leguizamo said this on Instagram after finding out that James Franco, a white man, will be playing Fidel Castro, a Cuban man, in an upcoming film. Quote, they told you to change your name, stay out of the sun, that only white Latinos or white passing Latinos will get jobs. I've been told so many times that you can't have two Latin people in movies. Otherwise, people think it's a Latin movie. So no, no appropriating our stories. No, no more of that. I'm done with that. End quote. Asian and Middle Eastern discrepancies. You have the Chinese, Korean, and Japanese versus the Taiwanese, Indonesian, and other. There are only certain Asian minorities that Hollywood deems worthy of spotlight. The Chinese, Japanese, and most recently, Koreans. 
Middle Easterners, Indians, and Arabs are simply thrown into one big category of racially ambiguous, but definitely ethnic. Colorism and white passing. It happens in every culture. It shows in our media how much we value whiteness and equivocate the closer to whiteness, the closer to godliness. But that is just a way of thinking. We are all beautiful people, and the sooner we shift that thought, the better. In relation to sexuality, we have the gaze of color versus white gaze. Queer visibility in the mainstream media depends on the discourse of whiteness. Like I said about trans rep, gay POCs are less likely to be cast in these films especially not with each other. Most of the gay POC characters in media are involved in interracial relationships, and we have yet to expand past that. Bisexual and pansexuals versus lesbians and gays. If bisexuals are planted on the screen, they are usually depicted as promiscuous and unsure of their sexuality, more so than their lesbian and gay sisters and brothers. Pansexuals are usually left out entirely. This I attribute to the fact that the public and even the community itself to a certain extent, is confused on what pansexuality really is. Asexual versus not. Asexuality is typically depicted in tandem with cognitive issues like ADHD, autism, and things of that nature. It is rarely depicted as the regular, non-traumatic disengagement with sex as a concept or as an action. Discrepancies in disability. You have disabled people of color versus white disabled people. Quote, almost all portrayals of people with disabilities in the media are white, but disability impacts us all. Disabled people come from all communities, including Black, Asian American, Pacific Islanders, Hispanic, Indigenous, LGBTQ, and other underrepresented communities. End quote. In disabilities, you also have women versus men. In this case, women are still made to be victims while men, specifically older men, are depicted as wise and brave. Next, you have the discrepancy between visible illnesses and invisible illnesses. Visible illnesses have always been more likely to be on the big screen. They are easier to duplicate and to understand at whim. Invisible illnesses like depression and anxiety are harder to replicate especially accurately, because it's only now that as a society we are beginning to understand it a lot more. Lastly, you have the discrepancy of being born with it versus losing it. Becoming disabled through the course of a story is a popular storytelling method. It gives the audience a sense of loss to connect to. It's a little more traumatic that way, too. That being said, being born with a disability can be just as interesting to the story. Take our previous example of Luca. Nothing was lost from that story, even with the father being born without an arm. Why is it important to be conscious when creating intersectional characters? It's important because not everyone's story is the same, and it's ignorant to generalize a struggle. Take, for instance, the difference in the lead actor statistics from the Hollywood Diversity Report in 2021. White men led with 80%, while white women fell only 6% below that. The highest race and gender after white women is black men with 27%. Why did the numbers drop so far? Well, I'll tell you why. This industry values whiteness over anything, and the reason black men follow is because they are still men and still reap the benefits manhood gives them. That is just one explanation. It's also important to be conscious because these intersections are part of what makes a person who they are. 
If you're going to create a female Native American superhero for your next film, you need to be respectful of the cultures this character possesses. You should want to make a good impression on your audience. Why is it important? Because people actually care to see these changes. Take, for instance, another boom in the industry, the rise of the diverse superheroes. Miss Marvel, She-Hulk, and Moon Knight have been making Disney money. According to Rotten Tomato, the public couldn't get enough with these shows in 2022, with Miss Marvel at a 98% rating, Moon Knight following with 86%, and She-Hulk with 80%. Captain Marvel was the highest grossing female-led superhero film. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse took TikTok and other social outlets by storm. I say all this to say the audience is watching and receiving and wanting. Proof? According to the research done in the Latino media gap, quote, Latino media consumers reward shows and films that feature compelling Latino talent and storylines with high ratings and revenue, end quote, which they can only do if there are stories for them to rate. Why not give them fun stories like their white counterparts have? Getting intersectional characters right also matters because people are paying attention to the way these characters are presented. For instance, in a New York Times article written in 2021 on the depiction of disability in films, journalist Sarah Barr states that, quote, The study also found that people with disabilities were slightly more likely to take issue with portrayals of disabled characters. Viewers with disabilities were 8% more likely than those who were not disabled to characterize a TV portrayal as inaccurate and 7% more likely to say that there is not enough representation of disabled characters on screen, end quote. As human beings, we have too many intersections to try to ignore. It's only right that our art captures these tiny little differences. These little crossovers are what make us, us. Well, our little adventure together is almost over, but I hope you feel informed. I know this is only the tip of the iceberg. The next time you hear me, we will be taking on the industry. So be ready. And scene.